You are now tuned in to Believe. Do you believe? I just want people to know that they are enough. And inside them is everything that they need, everything. Well, inside you is the entire universe, give or take. You know, you do not need anything more. You know, you don't need to drink. You don't need a new car. You don't need to uh, eat all of that junk food. You have everything inside you to be completely happy, to be completely successful, to be whatever you want to be. You are tapping into Untapped Keg, a podcast about sobriety and mental health, spotlighting stories that provide hope and love. Talking about sobriety and mental health, we talk about subjects that can be hard to take in and can also cause some mixed emotions. Keep that in mind as you're listening to this episode. Find us on all podcast platforms, Untapped Keg and youtube.com slash untapped keg. Join us for live recordings on Sundays. All right, let's get to this story that provides hope and love. What's up, everybody? Thank you for tapping in to some Untapped Keg, our podcast about sobriety and mental health, where you can hear stories that give different perspectives and show the path to being your best self, sober or through mental health. Hopefully, we give you some hope and some love that you can take and implement into your own life. I am your host, RJ Zimmerman, and I have the honor of being joined by Duncan Baskaran Brown, author, speaker, and Morris dancer. Duncan has done his fair share of overindulgence. Strictly speaking, he's drunk more than his fair share of wine and eaten more than his fair share of cake. Along the way, he found himself in some interesting places like on stage with S Club, a stint as mayor of his hometown, and Morris dancing in Westminster Abbey. After 20 years of overdoing it, he cleaned up his act and trained with the Easy Way Clinic the world's most successful stop-smoking service. Now he spends his time helping people push over indulgence out of their life. He lives in Abington with his wife, one daughter, and two bonsai trees. Duncan, how are you doing today? I'm all right. I'm I'm doing well. I was just thinking that uh, maybe Westminster Abbey is actually famous enough that uh, people from America have heard of it. (laughs) I have. Oh, that's good. That's good. Uh, but are S Club famous enough that you've heard of them? I, I don't know. <laughs> I was going to ask you, famous? A, no. what is Morris Dancing? And B, what is S Club? <laughs> they were a really uh, cheesy kind of band that were around uh, in the mid-90s. And um, I, I introduced them at a big uh, festival. Did they? Not at the height of their fame. Did they have a... A TV show? Yes. Yes, they did. I might have seen that TV show when I was younger. I think I know who you're talking about now. (laughs) Okay, okay. That's that's pretty cool, actually, now that I'm pretty sure that's who I'm thinking of, so... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not really my taste in music, shall we say, but I was very impressed with the way they did business. You know, they were very professional. And I, I mean, I've, I've, I've been kind of fairly lucky. I've, I've introduced a lot of music acts in my time. And you can tell the difference between the ones that are really, really good and the ones that can just do it a little bit. You know, most people can sing and they can play musical instruments and that's not 
That's not what it is. You could tell the difference with S Club. They were so good at working the crowd and getting everybody going. And it was so much more of an experience. And it was like everyone was involved. It wasn't just about them on the stage. So um, while they are definitely not my musical taste, it is something that I've always tried to emulate as a performer kind of thing. That is that's pretty that's really awesome so like when i go i've only been to a handful of concerts like live concerts aren't my massive jam but the ones that i've really vibed with are the ones that you're talking about the most like so i went and saw breaking benjamin um live and that's what they did like they got the crowd into it talked to the crowd like they did those shows definitely they they leave a little something extra for you so i can appreciate that yeah, yeah, you've got, I mean, that, that I, it's the difference between playing a bit of music and frankly, you know, you could listen to the CD at home. It's the difference between playing a bit of music and actually creating a show and creating a spectacle, in the day, <laughs> you know, genuinely entertaining people, which is, which is what, 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 it's what I, I aspire to do anyway. Yeah. And I love that the message that you use to inspire people and that you're incorporating these different aspects into it. So um, you sent me over your book, uh, to read, get over indulgence and it is, uh, it's really, really well done. I read through it. Like I to- told you before we started three nights, I read through it. Like it is, um, the way that you wrote it is very approachable and I really, really appreciate that. And just how you talk about, you know, the, how you approach sobriety and then you don't just talk about sobriety you talk about mental health you talk about other things in your life that impacted um you know your your life and going through this so when you're writing this book get over indulgence um what are you kind of trying to capture as you're writing this well, firstly, thanks. That's it's really nice of you to say so. What was it? So, one of the primary things I was trying to achieve was I was trying to write something short that people could read kind of quickly because, you know, I, if you're anything like me, you've probably got a few books on your bookshelf that you know you should read, but you never have. And uh, you know what's uh, what's the best kind of book? It's the one that you finish, isn't it? Because a book that you don't finish is never going to help you. So I tried to make it kind of entertaining. I tried to make it engaging. I tried to make it short. Um, and uh, I'm very pleased to 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 hear that I have succeeded with that. And as you say, I. I, I was trying to make it a bit wider and make it more about life because y- you can look at alcohol and you can say, right, I'm going to stop drinking and take that out of your life. You can do that. But, you know, the rest of your life remains. And if all you do is remove the alcohol and you don't do anything else and you don't change in any other way, I would say there is a high degree of probability that you will end up either going back to drinking or using something else in the way that you used to use alcohol. My, for me, I I switched from alcohol and everything went all right for, for a year or so. And then um, my wife got ill and uh, that was incredibly stressful. I spent a bit of time pretty much as a single parent, which was, which was very hard work. I was working at the time. I was, um, 
Um, I was just writing another book at the time. I, I never learn, will I? Um, so I, I, it was it was a very stressful full time for me, and I found myself eating uh, sugary, fatty food in exactly the same way that I used to drink. And th- that that was a, a big realization for me that you know if if I just kept behaving the same way I was just going to to do the same thing it was just going to be another substance and actually it doesn't even have to be a substance you know I can I, I used to be able to do it with work or with uh, computer games or with social media or even actually uh there's probably been some some points in my life where I've even read a bit too much in a slightly unhealthy way to try and <laughs> ignore other things, you know? So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that, that's, I, I think you've got to look at it holistically and you've got to sort of say, well, we're all on a journey and stopping drinking is absolutely an important part of that journey for many people. Um, but it is not all of that journey. It's, it's, it's a few steps, but there are many more. Um, and the good news is, you know, you're planning on being alive for a little bit longer. So you've got, you got time to, to work on these things. You don't have to sort them all out right now, but just so long as you have that mindset of moving forward. Absolutely. And, you know, I love how uh, you're talking directly to me because <laughs> that's exactly what I did, too. So I quit drinking and I did it cold turkey and it was like, I'm just going to cut this out. And then I went into work. Right. I, I've turned it into work. And then. I went from work to uh, video games for a little bit and then from video games back to work and then kind of like a a little bit of a cycle. But really, you know, I was ignoring um, the core reasoning for me drinking the way that I drank. And then, um, you know, it was really this podcast that helped me to move it forward. Luckily for me and talking with people who are smarter than myself, such as you, such as, you know, talking with Jenny about feeling words and then meeting my friend Scotty and um, Big Kev over at Laugh for a Purpose, like seeing these different perspectives to life. And it's not always sobriety, mental health, like you said, the sugary foods, the so much more of life you got, you really, you know, you have to find the balance um, with all of it. So how did you how were you able to find the balance like what what is it that it's a trigger for you that i'm doing too much of this how do i get back to kind of a a neutral i guess part of that is is about being more aware of what's going on in my body and what's going on in my mind and you know I think that's that's one of the problems when when you rely heavily on substances, whether you know it's it's nicotine, uh, drugs, alcohol, sugar. It it, it blunts your feelings, and you mm-hmm. don't feel stuff as much. So you're not as aware of what's going on. And of course, the the problem with with it, with it, it all kind of creeps up on you, doesn't it? It happens gradually, and it, it gets slowly worse and worse, and you don't notice it. In fact. Uh, quite a while ago, my parents bought a new house and it had a, a wood burning stove in it and they'd, they'd got some wood, but some of it was um, a little bit wet. So they thought very intelligently, they would dry it out by sticking a couple of logs on top of the wood burning stove, dry it out nice and it would, uh, it would burn easier. Um, I walked into their lounge and I nearly choked because their lounge was like really quite smoky, but they hadn't noticed 
because it just got gradually smokier and smokier and smokier and smokier. And like, I'm quite glad I walked through the door <laughs> at that point because I think if I'd left it for long enough, they they wouldn't still be here. You know, I mean, and and th- that's the, the the way it happens with a lot of substances. It gets progressively worse and worse and worse. But you don't notice it because it's all of those little increments. If it happens suddenly and you woke up <laughs> in the morning, you know, feeling completely different, you go, "Oh, this is terrible! I must do something about it." But because it happens so gradually, you don't notice it. And you just lose touch with your body. You just lose touch with the way you feel about stuff. And it makes it enormously difficult to to appreciate or understand anything. And now I uh, live a much cleaner life. Um, I I find it a lot easier to notice the feelings when when they actually happen. And I sort of think, (laughs) well this is starting to make me feel tense. This is starting to make me feel a little bit uncomfortable. This is like, I have now been doing scrolling Facebook for too long. I can just feel it, you know? (laughs) Um, And I think that becoming more in touch with your body. Look, there are lots of other ways of doing it. I mean, yoga is fantastic, meditation, all of those sort of things that that we should be doing more of in, in, in the West to actually become more embodied and uh you know notice the effect that stuff has on us that um that is such a key that i think a lot of us overlook as being more in touch with your body and what your body's telling you um especially when it comes to emotions and feelings because you know i've talked a lot about this in the past month or so but like how we are raised as men to shove our feelings down, shove them aside, be stoic. And then what it ended up turning for me was absolute shame at feeling much of anything. Like if I felt anger, I was okay with that because I was taught that it's okay to be angry. Um, But that was really the only feeling that I was okay with. So then anything else that ended up coming, I, I always felt like it was either selfish and I would turn it into shame or, you know, I was sad, turn it into shame that, Basically everything, I turned it into shame and I just became jaded. And that's, I did not like that about myself, that I was jaded, that I looked at everything through such a negative lens. Um, so sitting with your feelings and accepting them, like it, it, it can be hard. It can be that moment, like you said, where you wake up and everything has changed because all of a sudden you're feeling your emotions. What do you do with it? I don't know. I don't know. I, I I think you're absolutely right that, that that you know anybody who drinks too much is going to have problems. But I think there's a lot of problems that specifically exist for men around alcohol and the way we use alcohol to remove our feelings. So you know if you if you want to begin a relationship with a woman for for years and years, I thought you had to get drunk. You know, I thought that was <laughs> that was that was how relationships start surely you know the idea actually of like uh, being intimate with somebody sober you know that like I don't think I did that until I was in my 30s (laughs) (laughs) you know it just and it's it's all tied up with our our idea of what we're supposed to be as you know real men and uh, you know we're supposed to we're supposed to be loud and we're supposed to be confident but we're not supposed to have feelings and that all goes hand in hand with the the sort of drinking culture Um, and I think that's 
that's an area that that I, I think we really need to to look at more as as men as uh, society as well. I completely agree with you, and I mean it starts as kids. Um, you know, when we see uh, little girls cry, a lot of the times, oh, you know, poor baby, and we see boys cry, nah, suck it up, you're all right. Just yeah. rub some dirt on it. And don't get me wrong, I still make fun of myself, like, oh, rub some dirt on it, you'll be fine, right? And I still hide my pain, um, but I don't, I don't hide when I cry, and I allow myself to cry now. And um, I don't hide when I'm sad either, and I don't try to go around or over the top of the sadness. I just, I let it be, because all of these emotions, even though we attach negativity to them because we've been told they're negative they're natural they're part of being human so if you allow them you can learn a little bit more about yourself and you can yeah, learn. yeah absolutely and I, I think it's very interesting when you say go go around them i mean my experience was i was always trying to run away from them yep but of course, you you can't run away from them because you 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 know well you you can't with drinking anyway. I mean, it, it doesn't <laughs> get any further away from them, does it? You just end up running round and round and round and round them, and they don't go anywhere. They 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 just tend to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And yeah, I you know I'm a, I'm not I'm not a fan of the the days when it doesn't go so well and uh, you know it's hard and all of that, but if you didn't have if you didn't have the difficulties then the good stuff wouldn't really have any meaning if it was all just good good would be bland <laughs> so you've got to have some contrast it, you know it's basic philosophy absolutely absolutely it's a and that's a that that's a great point that's very good to get through to people who maybe are struggling with um i mean feeling much of anything because you don't you know, if you mute all the bad stuff, then you get the good and you're like, okay, kind of a, sure. So, um, you know, to, to get back to, um, your book, you, you write your question and I think it is such a phenomenal question. And it's one that I asked myself right before I stopped drinking before I did, um, and not even realizing it, you know, do you enjoy drinking do you enjoy getting drunk um is that something you write in the book that you got it from your smoking program the quit smoking program correct yeah yeah and then you were able to put that into your drinking is that that's kind of how it went or is that something you think yeah. about now yeah, so um, I stopped smoking using uh, Alan Carr's Easy Way, uh, which is the, the world's most successful stop smoking technique. I mean, it's millions of copies of that book have been sold. And uh, the, the, the Easy Way clinics are in uh, 50 countries. There's, there's a lot of them in the US. So, uh, you know, you, you, <laughs> there will be one near you, wherever you are. <laughs> um, and the... The, the the easy way process is about getting to grips with that idea of whether you enjoy it or not. Because if you look at a lot of stop smoking stuff and to be honest with you, a lot of stop drinking stuff, a lot of stuff around uh, reducing eating, it's all about don't do it. It's bad for you. It'll kill you. It's not good for you, which, of course, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. you already knew that. 
Um, but and there's part of your your mind that knows that, and there's part of your mind that's still going, yeah, but we enjoy it, don't we? It's fun. I get all these <laughs> benefits from it. And of course, you get those two bits of your mind, they're kind of in tension, aren't they? One's going one direction, one's going the other one. Fancy word, cognitive dissonance. I'm sure many of your listeners will have come across that before. So you've got this 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 problem. And uh, you could argue that the, the health campaigns, they just make it harder by making that bit of you that doesn't want to do it even bigger. What you've got to get at is the bit that makes you want to do it. Yeah, that's the problem. It's the bit that's making you want to do it. So, yes, asking yourself whether you enjoy it, actually tasting the alcohol, actually, you know, being aware of how it makes you feel, actually looking at the overall effect of it. I mean, yeah, I I, I know most people that first drink, it makes them feel better makes them feel better because they were feeling unhappy because they wanted a drink. And as soon as they have a drink, they feel more relaxed. They feel more at ease. They feel a little bit better. But that's only that first sip. You know, after that, where does it go? Uh, Talking about running away from your problems. That first sip, that first glass might make you forget your problems. But once you've finished the first bottle, they are right back there and they are much bigger and they are much harder to deal with because you're not thinking straight. Um, and you're just catastrophizing, aren't you? So, uh, yeah, you kind of get into grips with that idea of whether you actually enjoy it or not. How does it serve you? Does it cure your stress or does it cause your stress? Uh, all of that sort of stuff is very much um, at the heart of, of Alan's method and something that I I, 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 th- I think as a culture we need to get to, to grips with a little bit more. And then moving forward from that, once you've worked out kind of the emotional temperature of it, once you've you've changed your desires around doing it or not, then you need to manage the thought process. And that's really where the, the question comes in for me. I mean, it's slightly different using the easy way approach. What, what actually happened was I read the easy way book, stop smoking, using it, thought that it was amazing thought Mm -hmm. that could apply to so many things and when I got to the point where I wanted to stop drinking I used what I'd apply what I thought I remembered from it I just remembered it wrong (laughs) (laughs) so so I used a slightly different technique that is just like basically me misremembering somebody else's technique (laughs) but um, it seems to be quite effective for some other people and I you know there's there's the reason why it works most of the time when you drink you do it subconsciously you don't you're not even thinking about it you know uh, psychologists would call that system one thinking the automatic stuff and that's brilliant you know when you're driving along and you check your mirrors before you overtake that's automatic don't need to think about it fantastic but when you uh, apply that to smoking or drinking taking drugs eating junk food then it's obviously very, very bad for you. And what you need to do is engage that system two thinking, you know, the bit of your brain that can actually reason its way through things. So you've got to take yourself out of that moment of just doing it without even really consciously engaging with it and then actually thinking about it. And, you know, just ask yourself, it can be a question as simple as how's that going to help? Or uh, for me, it was very much tied up with with having uh, having my child and being a better parent. So it was all about, you know, how's this going to help me have a child? How's this going to help me be a better parent? But, you know, I've worked with a lot of people and they we always try to get them to kind of make that questions specific to them so sometimes it's about their health goals how's that going to help me run that 10k sometimes it's about their mental health you know how's Mm -hmm. that going to help me get over my anxiety 
Uh, sometimes it's financial, you know, how's it going to help me with my business goals? Well, get that promotion at work, that kind of thing. There's there's so much in life, you know, you've got something that motivates you. We need to do is find the right question that motivates you. And anytime uh, you get that little voice in your head saying, let's have a glass of wine, a beer or whatever it is that, uh, that you like, then you just ask that question. And uh, yeah, it's effective. I love that, especially the, you know, tailor it to yourself, because that's something that um, I've talked about a lot is, you know, if you try for a reason that really is not for you, it's not going to take a hold as it is if it's your reason for doing it. You know, and a lot of times that is for you and, and then it, you know, helps everybody else around you the most. So, um, yeah, I've, I'm of the opinion there's only one right way to get sober. You know, there's only one way that gets sober. And that's the way that works for you. So, like, yeah. try it. Try something. Try something different. If one doesn't work for you, there's plenty of different ways to try. And, um, yeah. you know, I just love how your way is a very easy-to-entry, low-barrier question to ask yourself and to look really into what do I want? And that can be scary, right? Like, oh, yeah. Especially yeah, if we're yeah. on autopilot. It can be scary. So if somebody is trying to look for the question to ask themselves to help them, um, is there a, a questions that kind of can help them steer them in that direction? Is there something to that you kind of can help people navigate that space you know what would you tell someone yeah i mean i it's normally if i'm working in a small group or one-to-one yeah. with people it's, it's through a process of discovery we we sit down and and we talk about it and you know i i say we talk about it basically you talk i ask the occasional question and point you in the right direction and then eventually you'll you'll figure it out mm-hmm. so how you replicate that without me sitting in the room um there's uh if you've ever come across the the grow coaching technique there are some just google self-coaching grow there are some very effective um questionnaires that you can do that will help you take you through the grow method's very simple it's like what's your goal what's the reality of where you are what are the options that are out there and what are you going to do as a way forward and you can you can just apply that um to to what you want to do you know what do you want to do you want to stop drinking okay what what's in the way what are the options of you know that are going to get you to where you want to be kind of thing um and then you just commit to one that that's that's your way forward um with a little bit of imagination and creativity you could uh, you could you could tailor that model to easily come up with your question i, I i'm i'm a fan of coaching in general and mm-hmm. self-coaching in in particular because you know if you've got a difficult decision to make I, I think having a little bit of a structure and framework to work through really really can help i am starting to learn that for myself too because uh yeah i've so i have adhd and it had gotten pretty bad since my second child was born so i got diagnosed with it officially and got some medication and I thought that the medication was working okay. And I was worried, right, with my alcoholism about it. So I didn't, I started with non-stimulants trying to figure out a way. And it got me through the day. But then 
um, I moved and I stayed at home with my kids for four five months and it got bad. Uh, like I, the non-stimulant just was not doing anything for me anymore. So I switched to a stimulant and it's like, since I've been on that, I can't, I don't know how I was getting things done before. Like it was just like, especially with the executive dysfunction. So one thing that I've learned is, uh, you know, the, the writing down organization, but like having a framework that still gives me the option to spitball, still gives me the option to be adaptable and flexible because yeah, yeah, that's yeah. my personality. That's what I like to do. Like that is important. So, um, I mean, I love what you said about talking to people, but not necessarily just like the conversation, like letting them talk it through themselves and just listening. And then you hear yeah. something that might be able to help them. So then you ask that one question. So if you are trying to search for that reason and you're struggling trying to figure it out, you know, talk to yourself in the mirror. Pull somebody that you trust aside. Talk about your goals. Like, what what is it you want? You know, it's cliche, but five years from now, where do you what do you want to be in five years or something like that? And just you'll be able to walk yourself through things. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I really love that that question. It's so simple, isn't it? Where, where do you want to be in five years' time? It, but it's so incredibly effective, and it's so telling because I've asked quite a few people that question, mm -hmm. and you. I guess when I started um, the, the coaching and things like that, I, I genuinely thought everybody would say pretty much the same thing because I thought everybody thought pretty much like me. And it turns out, thank <laughs> God, <laughs> the world is not full of people who are just like me and everybody has a different answer to it. And it, it, it's brilliant. I mean, it, it's like it's a great way of uh, helping you to understand yourself. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get in the mirror. <laughs> where do you want to be in five years time yeah and uh, yeah i was gonna say that's it's hard talking to yourself in the mirror especially if you you know you come to it from a place of i really don't like this person who's in the mirror right now but you do it and all of a sudden you start to unlock a little bit about yourself and it really, it really can be effective, and it, it's cliche. <laughs> I mean, you talked a, a, a little bit earlier about, uh, you know, how much doing this podcast has helped you to understand yourself, and um, you know, like absolutely, honestly, honestly, the <laughs> if you really want some great cheap therapy, write a book. <laughs> it's like it's fantastic it's a great way of understanding yourself and that's that you know obviously you don't have to write a book it is it's that is a bit of a commitment but it's just getting to that that point where you're thinking it through and you're discovering more about yourself and that's something that I don't know that we were certainly I was never encouraged to do that in school. You know, the whole idea was not that I, I find out who I am and what I want to do and what I've got to say and what I can contribute. The idea was I've got to find a hole that I fit into because it was about the it was about the, the job, not about me. You know, it was the the other way around. And yeah. I, I think the more we can encourage people to, to really think about who they are, where they want to be, there's so much opportunity you can do so many different things i mean like you don't even need to have a desk anymore you can work from 
anywhere. Like I thought that was true five years ago, but uh, apparently the world's caught up now. So <laughs> you're a forward thinker. That's uh, ah. we need more of that. Yeah, I mean, I've been doing interviews on Zoom for for quite a while since before they were fashionable. But it's great, isn't it? You know, I mean, we're thousands of miles away and we're just having a chat and, uh, you know, hopefully helping a few people out. Absolutely. There's a lot of opportunities. Yeah. And really, like, like you said, with like the cheap therapy, like if you go to a therapist, nine times out of 10, they're going to tell you to start a journal and start journaling. And I mean... You know, write a book. It's just a very similar thought process there too. It's a it's a journal with grammar. <laughs> you know, I'm American. I don't know what grammar is, so you're using um, big words, man. <laughs> sorry. Well, I, I'm dyslexic, so I, it, it is it is not my strong point. I have had to work quite hard to to master the English language, and I have a really great guy called Rob who tells me where commas are supposed to be. And I just say, yes, Rob. Yes. You're... <laughs> Sometimes he'll, he'll, he'll present these things as a choice and I'll just go, no, I think we should do what you say. <laughs> I like that. I like that. That's uh, Everybody could use a Rob when it comes to commas and periods. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, the, you know, the, 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 the deeper point of that is that whatever you're good at, you're only good at that. You know, there are other things that you're not good at. So find the people that can help you with it. And uh, you will you, you will find life so much easier and so much more enjoyable. Absolutely. That's something that, um, you know, it can be hard to accept that not, you're not good at, honestly, most things. Like, you're passable, you know? Like, yeah, you may not be a good driver, but guess what? You're passable. You you can get from point A to point B. But like, and I, you know, I say that kind of as a joke because everybody thinks they're the best driver ever. But um, well, yes, that's true. <laughs> um, you know, like there's so many things that like you just aren't going to be great at, and just because you're not great at it doesn't mean you shouldn't keep at it. And reach out to find people to help you if you enjoy it, even if you're not good at it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, I I have to say that. I think that was that was one of the the big problems that I had when I was drinking. I really did think I was on my own and I really did think I was I was in a hole and that there was nobody there to help me and that you know I'd have to figure it all out on my own and mm-hmm. everything would be terrible and it would be hard work and um you know there have been hard things that have happened to me, but um, generally it's not as a result of me stopping drinking. <laughs> it's the, it was actually drinking was hard work and stopping was the, the, the easy bit. And since I've done that, I've met so many fantastic, wonderful people who, you know, in, enriched my life in, in so many ways. And, uh, you know, they're all there to support. And we were, we were talking uh, off air, about you sharing your story and how you kind of like you just you know you didn't think that there was there was anything much in your story to and nothing much to be shared and I've met so many people who have these fantastic amazing inspiring stories that are full of hope and that's why I wrote a book just to show people that they weren't alone that there are other people out there that are going through the same or similar things and that there is hope and that there is a way out and uh, you know 
I don't think Gandhi ever really said, be the change you want to see in the world, but it's such a good quote. We, should just, imma- we should just pretend. That he- <laughs> and, um, you know, that I think is that that's the nicest thing for me about helping other people is they then go out and they shine their light to so many other people and they help other people. And they're, you know, it, it has this massive ripple effect. It does. It does. And that's, that's a line that like I've been using too, because I think that we look a lot and we're like, why is society like this? Why do we have certain things? But it's like, if we don't raise our voices up, you know, if we just accept the status quo and keep moving on, nothing is going to change. We can't I'll always... Tell you, I'll ahead. tell you one thing for free, right? If we all stopped drinking Coke, then Walmart would stop selling Coke pretty quickly because they only sell us the stuff that we want to buy yeah so if yeah. we just all want if we, we all just demanded high quality organic fruit and vegetable that is all they would sell and i mean you know in the past 10 years you've seen more and more of it because that that's where the some money is right now even yeah packaging things all natural even though they aren't right like <laughs> because they know that you're not going to read deeper than the all natural yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, low fat when we filled it full of sugar. So. Yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, that's my uh... favorite is when you see stuff that is labeled as gluten free and you think, well, it's like it doesn't have any gluten in it anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, free orange juice. Well done. <laughs> the, the steak, gluten free, you know. Oh, really? I had no idea. Um, so you mentioned that you're a coach and you do small groups. Um, when did you start coaching? Like when was it on your journey with your sobriety and your, you know, learning to balance everything and kind of accepting life? When did you start coaching? Well, curiously, I, I started sort of doing some therapeutic listening stuff you know like 20 years ago when I was at university which was sort of like I wanted to help people um and that seemed to be a a good way of doing it so so I I developed a lot of um therapeutic listening skills uh when I was quite younger which is sort of slightly ironic because I was a bit of a mess at the time but (laughs) you know um (laughs) It goes goes way back then, but the actual formally I started coaching probably um, 2015, uh, which was actually before I'd stopped drinking. Um, and I'd I'd been doing a lot of stuff in local government, and I was reasonably successful at it. And people kind of kept asking me what I did. And there's a standard like one line piece of advice that you give people uh, when they when they ask for that. That's what most people do. They say, how do I replicate your success? And you give them this standard one line piece of advice. Unless, of course, you're me when you go a little bit crazy and, uh, you know, like thoroughly research the area, look at the models of best practice throughout the country, throughout, uh, you know, the world. I mean, I've literally interviewed people from local government from all over the world, uh, discovered what they were doing to, uh, you know, their their best practice and then developed a coaching program 
uh, based on it. So um, my, actually started coaching yeah way back way back when um, when I was involved in local government, um, and I did that for for a while and uh, reasonably successful. That's what my first two books were about. Um, and then I realized that all I was doing was I was helping people to to achieve something that I'd achieved in the past, you know, and I look back and it's like, well, the stuff that I did in local government, yeah, I was good at it. I, you know, I made a difference to people's lives. It was good. But really, <laughs> it's not a patch on stopping drinking. Uh, it's not a patch on sorting my diet out, you know, so that was kind of the 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 realization that what I really should be doing is helping people to replicate that success around alcohol and around food. Um, so I used all of the skills that that I've basically been working on most of my life. I've always been involved in in communication, uh, training, speaking, coaching, one way or another. So uh, yeah, that that's um, that's where it uh, where it sort of came from. And then I trained with the Easy Way Clinic as well. Uh, probably about five years ago, and um, <laughs> that was when I realised I'd got their methods wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I've been teaching this for years, and <laughs> well, I, I, I taught it to myself. I mentioned yeah. it to quite a few friends. Got it completely wrong. Well, not completely wrong, but uh, I misunderstood some of it and uh, went back, and they they pointed me in the right direction. And now uh, I mostly do I, I do stop smoking seminars for them, which allows me to steal about ten million pounds a year from the tobacco industry i'm not sure what that is in dollars but it's quite a lot and, yeah uh, probably yeah. it makes me smile anyway 15 million or so maybe a little bit more <laughs> that sounds good doesn't it 15 yeah. million dollars a year <laughs> I from the industry. that is uh that's very you know incredible that you have been able to take these things that you have learned and accomplished and be able to Put it in a way that it can help people. And, you know, like you said, you want to help people. And I think that that is, that is something that is looked past often is, you know, when you want to help people, how can you do it? You know, a simple, you know, hello. But also think about something that you have done. And can you put it in a way that can help people do something similar, right? Yeah, yeah. As 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 you said, you know, everybody, um, <laughs> everybody, uh, they have different ranges of skills. Some yes. things they're bang average at. Some things they really don't have. But everybody's good at something, and everybody's got that that thing that uh, you know lights their eyes up when they start talking about it. And I'm not saying that everybody's got the potential to um, you know turn that into a mm -hmm. six figure business or anything and um, so free but you know whatever you want to do i like um my daughter's uh she's just joined the scout association the youngest section and uh you know the guy that runs her little colony she's just like you can tell he just loves it and uh, his eyes light up he you know He's, he loves sharing his stuff with them. And uh, you just find something like that that gives your life meaning and gives you purpose. And, um, you know, that I think that too much of the time we spend doing the things that we think we need, whether that's alcohol or junk food or working too hard, things we, we think we need. But we never 
that that gets in the way of us finding the things that we really actually need. You know, I suppose one way of saying it is we spend too much time thinking about our ego and not enough time thinking about our soul. I'm just going to sit with that one for a second because that was that was profound and that says a lot about you know the our culture, our society, our well, you know what we've built because how often do we do the thing that we have been told we need, right? We've been told, we've been taught, we've learned like this is this is going to make me happy, you know, I'm going to make I'm going to work 46 to 50 hours a week for 35 years and then I'll retire when I'm, my body can't doesn't work like it used to, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> all of that, and, and then, and, go for it. And the worst thing about that is, you know, all of the advice that you get around that, uh, you know, like, so you work hard at a, at a decent job, you get a safe job, you work hard, you put your money into a pension, you uh, buy a house, pay off the mortgage. And um, that worked for uh, my parents' generation, you know, the baby boomers that really, really worked for yeah. them because of the way the economy was. But it ain't going to work for us. And, you know, I was I read something this morning that if you want to, um, you want to a retirement income of £50,000 a year, which is not a massive amount of mm. money, uh, you need to buy a £2 million pension annuity. So if you want to have a truly comfortable retirement at sort of the level that my parent baby boomers, like a lot of them, you're going to need a seriously large pension. And uh, that's, the, you know, I don't know. Have you got $2 million sitting around waiting for you? No, probably not. So, uh, yeah, a lot of the advice that we get about what we should do with our lives is, I, I think it requires a little bit more looking into because it's not going to work out so well for us. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you just look at like in America, what it costs to go to college and you're told you need to go to college to get a good job. Yeah. I mean, really what that starts is being in debt. So you have to stay in the workforce, right? You, yeah. It leads to a lack of creativity when it comes to problem solving, when it comes to starting a new business, when it comes to, um, you know, just so much in society, like trying to change things. But if you are worried about how can you survive, you know, you're, you're stuck. You're absolutely stuck. Yeah. And um, I think that that is something that, like you said, we really do need to explore and look into. And, <laughs> you know, the, the baby boomers, you know, they talk about, um, you know, living through historical events, but you've really looked the past 20 years, what we've lived through. It's like, you want to talk about living through historical events like this is almost it really the turn of the 1900s that you know 20 to 40 years there same number of historical events that we've lived through now in 20 years so it is not something to it, it it's something to be proud of that you're surviving right you're making it through the day but it's something to think about something needs to change and Maybe it starts with us not drinking. Maybe it starts with us not buying those cookies. Maybe it starts with us, um, you know, saying you want my time to help you do something I'm pretty good at. You need to help me survive a little bit better, not just survive, but thrive. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And if we can get enough people to 
join us to show the way. I mean, I, I'm, I guess I'm fundamentally pretty optimistic about life. It's just my nature. Maybe, I don't know, optimistic or stupid either way. But I, I, I like to think that more and more companies are warming up to this idea of, of well-being and certainly post-pandemic, I, I, you know, there, there does seem to be more of a conversation about actually helping your your employees to 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 live a happy and meaningful life because I mean it's, it's cynical, but if you if you happy employees stay, don't they? And that's recruitment and retention is it is a massive problem in most industries. So if you can if you can keep your employees happy and you can keep them in the job then it makes sense to that cust- that that company so hopefully it's a, a a real and genuine commitment rather than simply just um you know a bit of a uh, bit of window dressing here and there <laughs> a bit of wordplay some of that word salad yeah. <laughs> um so <clears throat> i love that you said you're optimistic and uh we you know i touched on this a little bit but like that that childlike naivete that I honestly feel like when we make a big change in our lives, like we have to chat, tap into that because you're making a change based on something that hasn't happened yet. And you don't even know if it's possible because you haven't done it before. Right. Or maybe you have, but then you slip back. So why is this time going to be different? But you have to tap into that because you have to believe that this time's gonna be different. Believe yeah. that you can be a change, right? One of my favorite quotes <laughs> is from uh, General Patton, as it happens. And he said, if you're 80% sure of a plan, you should violently execute it. And <laughs> you think, you're never gonna get to the point where it's all perfect and it's all lined out there. Sometimes you just gotta give it a shot. You know, do your due diligence, sure, and think about it and try and, you know, make the best of it. But if you, if there it says it's a good idea, then, uh, you know, and the numbers stack up, then, then go for it. You know, Why not? Why not? What's the worst that's going to happen? And there's another great question, too. Like, yeah. what is the yeah. worst that's going to happen? Right. Like you end up having a drink in a couple of weeks. Yeah. yeah. I mean, t- Tim Ferriss uh, switched me on to that idea of Seneca said that. Every now and again, you should just eat the cheapest food you can get because it helps you to realize that, you know, if you really did, if, if things got bad, you can you really genuinely you can you can survive on rice, beans and bananas. I know because I, I do it every <laughs> January for a couple of weeks and it's it's not my favorite two weeks of the year, but, uh, you know, you can survive on it. And, um, yeah, you, it's it, it, it teaches you that actually. You know, I like taking my family out for dinner. You know, we've got a lovely, um, lovely Japanese noodle bar near us. It's fantastic. I love going there. But actually, you know, we don't have to. I yeah. can sit at home and eat rice and beans with them. And, um, you know, they're still my family. They're still lovely. We'll still have a conversation. They still love me. Even if uh, I couldn't afford a new car, they'd still love me. That is... Um important to think about too like a lot of times we attach our production what we bring to the table to our value and i think that that's why when people ask us who we are a lot of the times first thing we say is what we do for a living 
I know I do that. I did do that. That's why I went into the job I did, a you know, high voltage line electrician, because I wanted to be proud of that. And then therefore I would be proud of myself. That wasn't the case. It didn't, it wasn't one for one. It wasn't A equals B for me like that. Yeah. I I mean, you introduced me speaker, author, Morris Dancer, and that's what it says on my business cards. That's what it says on my website because, and I started off genuinely as a bit of a joke because I've, I've got lots of friends who are uh, speakers and authors. And if you look at their LinkedIn profile, it will say something like speaker, author, facilitator, trainer, coach, mentor. (laughs) I'll clean the toilets if you pay me enough. (laughs) So I thought I'd just take the mick out of them and put speaker, author, Morris Dancer. But um, it, it's great because it makes me sound a little bit more human, which is always good. But no, actually, you know what? It's for me, Morris dancing is, you know, it's about community. It's about friendship. It's about spending time together. It's about so much more than simply what I produce and what I do to earn a living. Um, so, yeah, I maybe that's what people need to do, you know. Uh, high voltage line electrician, father, Ghostbusters fan, <laughs> podcaster. I don't know, you know. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And that's that's something that I've been doing, you know. Um, so I moved across the country because I needed to remove myself from that culture. I needed a new culture, and I need a better environment to raise my kids in. And um, so since then, I've kind of trying to take the pieces that. Um, are of myself and actually define them a little bit more. So when people ask me the question, who are you, RJ? Who is RJ? Like I can answer it a little bit more than just I'm a high voltage line tech for a utility company. Because yes, that is cool. Yes, I get to see some pretty cool shit, but like (laughs) I'm more than that, right? And, um, you know, people ask what's the most interesting fact about you and Sometimes I still struggle with it, but um, I'm starting to come up with those answers. I'm starting to be able to look in the mirror and be like, you know what? You're okay. You're all right. That's a, that's a big change. That is scary, yeah. but it's something that we have to do. Like you said, to find that balance because really when you find the balance, um, not just like, you know, your work-life balance, but like the balance of yourself. You smile a lot more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I probably spend too much time thinking about stories a little bit, but one of the best books I've ever read is Seven Basic Blocks by Christopher Booker. And he talks a lot about um, the sort of... Uh, Young's archetypal male and female characteristics. So he says men are generally about strength and power and women are generally about feeling and understanding. And, you know, I know we live in a a wonderful and diverse world, but broadly speaking, I think most people kind of identify with that a little bit. But he says that the true... The, the the characters that succeed in in fiction are the ones that always start off in in one of those aspects but they manage to temper say their strength and power with feeling and understanding and i i think that's you know that's part of what you're saying about the, the balance about becoming whole it's about taking the aspects that you have and finding the other aspects and and merging them so if you 
in simple terms, if you are just about strength and power, if you are only about strength and power, you become Darth Vader. <laughs> but if you embrace the force, you know, if you that that's feeling the force, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's understanding. That's all that Jedi stuff is. It's feeling and understanding. And when he embraces that, he becomes Luke Skywalker, Jedi. And, uh, you know, the balance of the force is restored. And I, I think you, you, you could argue that over the last 120 years, feminism has very much taken that point of feeling and understanding and they have embraced strength and power and they have moved forward um, greatly over the last 120 years. Uh, Whereas what what have we done as blokes over the last 120 years? We've sat there in strength and power and just tried to ignore it. And uh, yes, we'll have another beer. Thank you very much. And we've mucked a lot uh, up. And and that is it. And I, I think, you know, it, it, it's it's great what you're doing to to help men to understand more about feeling and to understand the world a little bit more. That that's what we need. We need to temper our strength and power because you know Darth Vader sucks. I mean, you, when you drill down to it, he is a pretty boring character, right? <laughs> until the till the very end and at the very beginning. But that is, um, you know, that's that is something that leads a lot of us men like we just don't know what else there is because we get taught that's it right so when people say like express your feelings we don't even know what that looks like we think that like a talk once a month is expressing our feelings or like you know just like oh that makes me angry like that's expressing our feelings or something but that's not the case and it's hard and I'm finding this out to take it um, from your friends, from typing it on a phone to like actually verbalizing it to other people and then setting, you know, the limits, your boundaries, like where you want people to not do, you know, to basically you're setting places, spaces where you are respected. Like where, where are your lines of respect? That's what boundaries really are. And so if we frame it like that, I think a lot of more men can kind of start to find a place to start. If we can find that starting point for everybody, like that's where I think we can make a big change. And um, last week's episode with Emily Goff, she really put me on to um, trying to rethink how I'm talking about my feelings and emotions to be able to relate it to more men. Because I as I completely understand somebody comes and starts talking about feelings and emotions and I just shut down, especially as a blue collar worker, like "Mm, you lost me. So what are some things that we can do? Like, uh, you know, and I just came up with the, the lines of respect, like that just came out of my mouth. But like, um, you know, what, what is something, somebody who, um, is going to make this a change, and try to find this balance. If you if you could give one piece of advice for the starting line, what what do you have there? I I I think we need to we just need to talk to each other a little bit more as men. I think that's one of the the worst things that we do. We just you know <clears throat> what what typically happens when we get together. You know we we're rude to each other. We might talk about sport <laughs> or drink some beer. 
and that that's it's very very surface level we never get any deeper than that the only time the men are allowed to cry together is if you're on the losing side in the super bowl yep yep (laughs) (laughs) and that's it that is it i i love that break it down to a simple conversation so duncan as we as we're starting to wrap up here if there is one thing that you'd like to leave with people what would that be yeah look i mean it it's kind of weaved through everything we've talked about already today but you know what i just want people to know that they are enough and they, they Inside them is everything that they need, everything. Well, inside you is the entire universe, give or take. You know, you do not need anything more. You know, you don't need to drink. You don't need a new car. You don't need to uh, eat all of that junk food. You have everything inside you to be completely happy, to be completely successful, to be whatever you want to be. And, uh, yeah, you know, if I could just if I could just help the world to see that they are enough and then uh then i would be a very very happy man i love that i love that you just absolutely knocked that out of the park this this conversation and i knew it would be from our first uh zoom meeting this was this was a lot of fun for me like we got into some you know we did get into some heavy topics but like how you approach it and how you can kind of take that and then into life like just because it's heavy doesn't mean you can't make points and have fun, right? So absolutely, I, I think you, 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 yeah. Look, if we don't enjoy it, then then I can guarantee no one listening is going to. <laughs> that is the truth. That is absolutely the truth, and there is space for all of it. Like that's where um, a lot of times I think that we slip and fall is that we can we can have these heavy topics we can laugh and we can you know there's time for the the subduedness of it but um i have thank you so much for coming on so this has been uh duncan Bascaran brown author speaker and morris dancer and um where can people find you if they want to get in touch with you duncan where where can people buy the book um let us know what you got going on. Yeah, the, the book's on Amazon. It's Audible, uh, Kindle, paperback. Um, you get it anywhere in the world, which is kind of crazy. Um, if you just put Get Over Indulgence um, into uh, Amazon, it will come up, which is a little bit easier than spelling my surname. But if you did want to find out anything more about me, uh, my website is baskaranbrown.com. It's got a cheeky H in it it's b-h-a-s-k-a-r-a-n and then brown you can probably spell i'm guessing um <laughs> if you want to find me on social media probably the best place is linkedin that's where i do most of my work so uh, always happy to connect with people you know uh, genuinely if i can help at all please let me know i'm always always happy to chat and i do have uh, all those things listed in the description so check that out if you want a quick link to check out what duncan's doing if you want to find the book um you know the links are all in the description i highly recommend checking it out and i recommend it so much that i'm going to give away five of duncan's books to the community so um if you want like one hit me up uh let me know your indulgence you'd like to get over 
hit me in a DM and let me know if you want a signed copy or if you just want it as quickly as possible because um, I'll be able to get you that signed copy as well. Duncan has agreed. So we will we will get you your signed copy if that's what you would like. So um, this has been Untapped Keg podcast about sobriety and mental health where we look at different perspectives pertaining to that. Hopefully we gave you some insight that you can take and implement into your life with some hope and some love. I'm RJ Zimmerman. You can find me on all podcast services under Untapped Keg. My DMs are open. If you need some help, if you need someone to talk to, hit me up. I will help find the resources that are local to you. I will be the ears to just listen. And I'll give you a shoulder if you need some help standing up. Um, please look into our YouTube, youtube.com slash untappedkeg. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that bell because every Sunday we do record live. So if you have questions, you can ask. If you want to stay in a conversation, there's always a good conversation happening in the chat. You can uh, watch that. And you know what? Let's try to be better tomorrow than we were today because at least if we don't make it, we tried. Have a great week, everybody. I love you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.